Hello. You're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. So, welcome back. Nice to be back. I think I was just telling Rocco uh, Coza, the attorney, to come on, quite frankly, I said, you and me might have to have your own engravement on the back of the chairs. <laughs> I would like that. I th- yeah, I think that might happen. Don't don't tempt me. Okay. You see how eclectic it is in here, right? I it will is. make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, my friend, you were here during pandemic last time. Yes. Were you at the beginning of the pandemic? Did I have you in another room? Yes. Yeah, we did the two studio right. setup when the pandemic was fresh. Yes, and I had to wear the headset. Yes, no. So yeah, as you can see, headset, <laughs> no, no headset. headset. That's fine. Uh, so uh, off camera, you you made a comment to me as I was fiddling around in here. You said we talked about just a lot of things, and you, yeah. you used the term art disruptor. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so she's probably saying to herself, how do I walk myself <laughs> How do I walk myself back out of it? Right. Yeah, but I'm no, not letting you off the hook on it's that. Good. So what um, is that? So, well, I don't know. I think it means anything, like a, a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Okay. For me, when I use that term or the way that I think of it is, um, you know, I believe the way that art is perceived right now in this country is that it is pretty elitist and it really has there to me there has been a disconnect between um everybody and art really i mean you go to museums and you kind of scratch your head sometimes like what is what am i looking at you know (laughs) um and galleries the same way like um you know it it seems to me that we're getting further and further away from um people just being able to enjoy you know art and so uh i guess that i i like the idea of um making art for everyone again if that is what i mean by disruption i guess that is um okay and to do that you you need to to engage with your community with art and there are many ways to do that um you know i have my studio is pretty open people can come visit me whenever and i um, don't just take you through my studio but i'll take you through other people's studios and i think that's a really great way to engage with artists to engage with your artistic community and um kind of fall in love with art again instead of feeling as though somebody is telling you this is great art like go ahead and say for yourself what you love and what is good art i think that um people are sort of afraid to do that Hmm. and also you know it doesn't help that things like you know an art basel uh last year of course this was it was canceled this year you know, you have a, a banana duct taped to a wall and somebody's trying to tell you, <laughs> right? It, I mean, that to me, that's what I mean by it's becoming elitist. Like, okay. what is what are you suggesting then with that okay. piece of artwork? Okay. And are you in that suggestion alienating the majority of people that might otherwise, you know, want to engage with art? So what's the, the opposite of that argument? So when you ask that question, what will they say? What will they say? 
What's the argument? What, what would they? Well, say? I think that the argument will always be like, well, we, you know, we know what we good art. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's just like <laughs> sorry. I don't know. It's this. I guess it's the argument. What's good art? What's worthy? What's what's bad art? And I just. I don't know that there's an answer to that. I think that people should engage with artists and artwork um, in their own terms. And, uh, you know, I think that there's room for all kinds of Mm -hmm. different um, aesthetics and it's, it's very open and it can be very open. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Would that have happened? That piece of art had been that popular and that much of a news item had it been you know 20 years ago before social media yeah i think so it would have been yeah i think that it would have been written up about it would have been a thing and people would be scratching their heads and other people would be like you know that's hilarious maybe uh you know is it a stunt (laughs) is it is it to provoke um what is the the purpose of art like that um you know, I think there are lots of uh, of arguments and and discuss maybe not arguments discussions that could be had about it. Um, I just just I just in my in the context of what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I just feel as though things like that are alienating um, because a lot of people don't want to engage in that conversation of why they should be looking at that, you know? So they feel as though they're out of the conversation before the conversation started. So I just feel as, I feel like um, we're go we're getting further and further away from engaging our community and we're getting to the point where it's just like, it's almost like a privileged thing to go to an art museum because you sort of like know what you're looking at or whatever. I don't okay. know if that makes sense. No, that's but exactly like, right. And I um, felt the way as a kid because there was always um, in magazines that I would see at my grandparents' house or whatever, the, the well-to-do, you would see these incredible art things. A lot of them didn't make sense, but you would you get the feeling it was just not for me. Yeah. It wasn't for my parents or us. Yeah. And, you know, my art doesn't make sense per se, um, but it hopefully what what i'm trying to do is just you know use color and the emotion of painting and 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 using that color to to um represent those emotions and those feelings and and create a story that's that's fluid that everybody can sort of mm-hmm. um derive their own story from like right. i i feel like that is what i like to do and it's it's resonating with with people mm-hmm. um so it doesn't necessarily i guess what i'm trying to say is that it doesn't necessarily need to make sense if you will but um if if it is making you feel as though you don't have a place in that arena like that you shouldn't you know you don't even want to start a conversation about how to interact with it that to me is when it starts becoming alienating okay. and so okay. like i think that most of us have had the experience where we stand in front of a piece of artwork and we don't know why we like it, mm-hmm. right? It's just beautiful or it's challenging or it's provocative and it's doing something. It's moving us. Right. That's what art should do. Right. I guess that, you know, at the bottom line, that's what art should do. And um, and and there are many emotions that, you know, but as long as it's it's eliciting something in you, the right? The banana thing just kills me. <laughs> well, you're describing it. You're describing it perfectly. And I, I just imagine me standing in front of that banana with the duct tape, and I could just 
I would probably stare at it for 15 minutes. Right. But so. it's, and, and I guess somebody <laughs> might say to you, well, it's eliciting some mm-hmm. reaction, right? Your, your, your reaction is that you are completely perplexed. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I think it's, that's, I, I think that's kind of a cheap. Yeah. You know, There's a lot of things we could probably answer. throw on the wall that would perplex people right. rather easily. The, the, right. the entry point to do that doesn't really take much thought right. or creativity. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I could come up with a million ideas right now that could shock and right. intimidate. Right. And I, it's just not to me. That's not what art should be. Okay, but. so let's talk about that because that's, that's so. As the person sitting there contemplating all of that, as the viewer is watching that. Is the story behind the art and the experience that goes with that story, it, at that point, doesn't it overshadow the actual physical art? Um, with that, with the example we're using, like everything behind the art well, becomes the actual. That that's frequently the case with a lot of. Um, uh, museum art and art that's, uh, you know, installation art or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I think that there, I have trouble with this because I even have trouble like writing artist statements, for example. Okay. I don't really want to talk about my, what I'm, what my perception of my work is or what I'm trying to do with my work. I would far prefer people to engage with it Mm -hmm. and have their own storyline and their own experience with it and let it sort of live and breathe that way in so much as it has multiple incarnations of what it could be okay now that that a lot of work does sort of need an explanation in order to appreciate it and i think that i i appreciate the explanation when it makes sense with the work. But then there's a lot of artwork out there that has these like, you know, they they have these explanations that are just so esoteric. Yeah, they're they're just so, you know, um to me they don't they don't do anything, they don't describe the art, they don't help me understand it more. Mm-hmm. I get frustrated um and I just feel as though it's all about the what they want is the art is in the explanation and not in the art. And so that's what I was getting at. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, there's, you know, that can be. There's a perception, I think too, with, with most people that if I see a piece of art and I read the explanation or I try to understand what the artist is saying and I listen to them, explain it to me. If I don't understand it, then it must be good and probably out of my price range. Isn't that right, a, right, isn't that, that, it's a weird reaction, right? Right. There's some. There's a great cartoon which I wish I had on hand to show you. I'll, I'll have to send it to you later. But okay. um, but yeah, basically, like if you if it if it's so out there that you couldn't possibly <laughs> understand it, it must be great art, right? And so, um, you know, and there are people of that mind certainly. Um, it's just not something that I subscribe to. It's not. Yeah. Not my philosophy on what art is. What's minimalism art? Um, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not exactly um, uh, trained in, in all of the uh, genres of art, 
in so much as how to academically describe what that is to okay. you. Um, you know, I didn't go to art school, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm asking um, you. <laughs> I think that it's just, uh, it's sort of, uh, you know, just it, on the face of it, right, is something that does, uh, has very little um, mark making. Uh, it's uh, simple in its form um, or can be. Uh, maybe it has one focus. Uh, for example, you know, you could have minimal, minimalist art that's just a canvas, but perhaps it's, you know, shaped in a certain way. So you're focusing on the form of it. So um, okay. I don't know, again, what the description would be, and maybe we could look that up. Um, thanks for throwing that one at me. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't I asking mean, for I a do, textbook description. I do a, a few series or maybe just, you know, a couple of series that I have that I would consider to be minimalist. Um, work and in the those pieces, I just use a very um, um, raw tan um, canvas. I, I use linen, linen, linen. and um, Belgian linen, right. and I just use different marks on this. and And, and there's a story behind it, and right. and there's a whole you know back backstory which I I can share, but I I found found have found that I don't have to share people seem to be connected to the right, work without right, that right um but yeah so and the reason i brought that up is there's minimalistic music or minimum minimal what do they call it minimalism yes in music i think of okay. philip glass he's a composer he's done a lot of movie scores and but before the movie scores he was very avant-garde in like i think new york and mm -hmm. early 80s late 70s i remember being exposed to his stuff when I was, you know, a kid listening to rock and roll, and I sat through that with my parents, I'm like, "What the fuck is this? <clears throat> and why is why would somebody sit? I mean, I understand a symphony. Right. There's all this muse, all this noise, and different instruments, but it was just a man on a keyboard, right, with a sound, and then like, is that and how one, note, was? Right, one, one note, one note would for go, a while. Right. and it would just like, you know, and I tried. And, I, the best I could at 20 years old to get it. Right. Couldn't get it. Well, I think, again, you know, art is so wonderful in, in the sense that different things appeal to different people. And I think if I maybe were there and listening, I might have the same reaction, but I might have the reaction, too, of feeling very, um, like, going into sort of a meditative state. Yeah. And I think that that is very appealing you know i think that a lot of minimal minimalist work <laughs> sorry wow, uh, <laughs> a lot of minimalist work um is appealing in that way because okay. it's very contemplative it's very um meditative and i think that there's uh real beauty in that well i think a lot of his work gets a lot of credit for the music scores and if you uh if you go and you look, and I, the, the, the most recent movies aren't coming to me, but people actually will take his score and then like duplicate or triple it. So you can go download like three hours of him doing this same kind of thing. Yeah. Supposedly people meditate to it, they sure. study to it, they work. So there's a, there's a place for it. Yes. It's just, it's not, I guess it's anything that isn't, that's away from the norm. Always will get weird reactions from the public or and different even reactions. What you might quote unquote quote unquote called the norm might get 
I mean, I, what is normal? Really? Well, no, no. I, think I mean, that, yeah, you know, norm only I, I was referring to you take 100 people off the right. street. Norm would be for that norm would be what most people would say, the, what the majority of that group would view, how they would view something. That's all I'm yeah. by norm. But yeah, I get it. I get it. But that was. I mean, country music is fairly normal but there's a lot of people that would react adversely to that as you well. don't say and, and metal and all these i mean i don't know i'm just saying you know like the beautiful thing about music is there's something for everyone there too you know art right same thing yeah so the the uh i won't let i won't can't let this subject go the the, the banana <laughs> So is okay. it easier? So I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> Honestly, I really don't have that big of an opinion on the banana. <laughs> no, put the banana aside for a second. Okay. It's not about the banana. Okay. It's just the issue. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in the... Could you do a little of sculpture work too, right? You, you occasionally create sculpture, right? Uh, yeah, very occasionally. But you do it? I have, yes. So is there a difference in how that is experienced beyond the... 3d versus well you're not you're still you're not 2d because you have a lot of texture in your work but yeah, you know what i mean like 2D. the experience yeah. to walk around and view it is is there something inherently different in how the how that's presented to the public or is just art art and you just you just merge into it i think all the different forms are unique in their own way and i think uh you know there's there's sculpture that is wall hanging so that's almost more similar to a 2d okay sort of thing um but yeah i think one of the beautiful things about free standing sculptures is the ability to navigate it and see the piece change as you navigate the work and and maybe experience something different with every sort of step and Mm -hmm. um viewpoint and that's interesting right i mean that to me keeps work pretty fresh and um allows the work to keep sort of uh having its story changed all the time by the viewpoint of the the person experiencing it i i don't know i think i think sculpture is very moving for me okay um i am intimidated personally to pursue that more because i'm not um I'm not there yet, but I think I see my work eventually kind of going in that direction. I've thought a lot about how to translate some of my things into more sculptural presentations, but um, but yeah, that's I think that that, and then you could say installation art, you know, is another can be sculptural in some I ways. I suppose what but that, that is. So an installation art w- piece would be um, you take over to some degree a space and you um fill that or not fill it it's just it's um i've seen very very um sparse installation work where there might just be one thing um but you you experience you experience the art in, in an environment and i think that Again, you're asking me to like define things for you that like I don't know. I'm just giving you my definition. So please do not take but this installation. As that's fascinating to me. I has mean, anything more than my definition of, well, of things? So. so we we had Jeff on our, our yeah. gallery owner friend here, and he talked about um, creating an experience. And I guess that's what a gallerist does, right? They take they take art and they create an experience sure. for the patron, yes, for the viewer. Mm-hmm. To begin with, and the patron. Uh, 
Is installation part of that? When we use the word installation, is that different? It's different. It's it's a it's an art form. Um, so let me try to see. Have you been to any of the internationals at the Carnegie? Yeah, every week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. They're like once every four years, and no, now once every five. No, but um, no. So uh, they often have installation art. In the last one, there was a um, a large structure. Okay. That was to resemble a home, I suppose. And um, yes, I. I don't suppose it was to <laughs> resemble a, a house, and it was done it with um, neon lights. Okay, and, and that was the whole center of the room, and there were other elements to it too. But that would be considered okay. an installation. Okay, right? It's it's it, and generally speaking, they're made for the space, so that's also very much part of it. It's it's um, it's specific to a space. Okay, and it's. It utilizes the space as part of the art, I think so I that's get it. how I I, I would I describe it. it if and that. to experience it, you actually get immersed with it. You walk through it or walk around it. You can yeah, I mean there are some some certainly some installations that you can't walk through because there are you know the, there's just you can't walk through it because there are blockades or whatever right, to some right. degree but yeah often you can navigate you can go through the whole thing and um again that would be sort of that same experience with um sculptural work where you can see it from different perspectives and points of view but you can do that with 2d art as well i feel um i i just i think that that is one of the things i like about viewing art is that you know even on any given day when you go to view it, what you're bringing to that work is also your life experience and mm -hmm. the, your, just very simplistically your day. Right, and so right. you might, um, you know, receive that a different way every time you go. And because your art is very, um, the first time I experienced your art, it was, you say it's 2D because it's, it's, it's on a canvas, but... There's so much texture there that depending on how you're looking at it, it's completely different. Yeah. Um, I I think that's probably f stems from the fact that that's what I like, you know, when I view art is to see it change mm -hmm. as I go around it or view it from a different angle. Um, it's funny because right now I'm working in my studio on, on uh, some pieces that have even more of that and they are even there's there's a sense of um there's an illusion to it too it's really cool like i i really i think i've talked about this before part of what i do in my studio is always going to include um experiments right you know and oh, this yeah. is sort of what i'm doing right now well, i've seen experiment. the pile i've seen i've seen the discord pal <laughs> yeah the pile. <laughs> yes the pile and i was it's wondering about like, and I'm looking at this stuff. I'm going, this is really amazing. And it's just tossed canvas, just tossed over it's here. It's probably about four feet tall. Yeah. Pile of like discarded thoughts. And and, and that's what I think is so amazing about art and so fascinating. It's so it's so specific to the individual creating it because to someone like myself that would look at some of the pieces that you either have completely discarded or, or like you said, in transition, potential transition. Right. They're pretty much discarded. Well, I mean, it. <laughs> but me looking at it and seeing the reaction of some of the other people that were, some of them were friends of yours, some of them you yep. didn't know when I was there, just listening. Right. 
people, you know, and you would tell them that's just a discarded pile. And people were looking at that going, how oh, is that discarded? Like, that is really awesome. <laughs> but see, you don't view it that way. It's so yeah. interesting how the artist views it differently. Absolutely. I would, I, you know, my, I don't know if I, I'm sure I told you this before. This is our fourth round. Um, but my brother. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> my brother is a glass blower. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I would often get so frustrated with him because I would I would go to his shop and uh, when he would discard something, he would like put it in the, in the water really fast so it would break. But you could tell some of these things were like really going to be awesome and i was that's like, how what i felt doing that's how some of your patrons feel when they come that's we that's how we feel yeah no i it's definitely i think that that's kind of yeah i that's interesting i mean i i never i, I guess i don't think of it that way because i think well i'm this is part of me and if i don't feel as though it's it's really um what i'd like to see then then I don't expect anybody else would like to see it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, yeah, I wouldn't show anything that was that, that I didn't feel really secure about. I want to talk a little bit about celebrity artists and give you my impression of them. No, 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 <laughs> okay. not, not textbooks. No, no, not <laughs> okay. textbook. And we're not going historical. None of that. <laughs> okay. The last twenty years or so, I would say probably it kind of coincides with the web really getting higher speed connections and in being able to view bigger files on screens and nicer screens when that kind of started to happen. So I'm guessing like the early 2000s, it seemed to be a thing that a lot of celebrities from film and music oh, and yeah. theater decided one day they woke up and decided, well, I've always liked to put the noodle, to doodle on a napkin. I'm now an artist. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. but what I want, the reason I'm bringing it up is I have, when I'm mentioning any names in the music business, there's been quite a few that have been on my radar. Um, what I've noticed on some of them, though, is there's a level of hucksterism that starts to happen. And what I mean by that is because they have the celebrity footing to start with, there's already an audience. I don't know if it's captive, but it's an audience because it's already built into their m merchandising mechanism. And that could may create an initial illusion based on initial sales of success or financial success. They end up using the art str strictly as a, purely as a product. Sure. Knowing that I can crank out, I can go into my studio and I can crank out 10 pieces this weekend. Let's just say it's an abstract artist. That's what they do. 10 pieces. You know where I'm going with this, right? They crank out 10 pieces and they have a guarantee. Well, they think they have a guaranteed audience. Now, there's a saturation point where it starts to slow down. But I think if a, a patron understands the background of an artist, when they look at those people entering the world of art and selling their wares, this, the backstory of that has to play into the decision to purchase the art or did or, or am i am i off or doesn't I, it no, matter i mean I guess. well i guess i guess that's the broader question right i mean just like there are all different types of artists producing all different types of work there are all different types of patrons purchasing okay. that work and so some patrons might just buy into the cult of personality type of thing and okay. just say okay i i don't even care if I like the work. I it's I by want so and so. right and and um and you know that's fine too. I I say really honestly, everybody should do them. You know, and if that's what 
you like as a collector, then, mm-hmm. you know, it, how could you stop that anyway? You know, how like would you want to? I don't, I don't see a problem with it. I, I just think that um, people should surround themselves if they're going to with art, with art that makes them that moves them, that makes them feel something that makes, and, and, you know, for some people, maybe the idea that so-and-so painted this, so-and-so whose career I followed forever and whose music, you know, moves me, Mm -hmm. having a piece of them, if you will, Mm -hmm. in my home is, is uh, an important addition. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I personally, you know, am not moved by that, but, I, I can understand it. Really? Yeah, sure. I mean, especially if it's somebody whose other existence, if you will, their mm-hmm. other art form mm-hmm. is something that has provided joy or, yeah. or, or you know, whatever, yeah, you yeah. know, emotion of any sort, right? right um, I right. can understand that that it's, it's, it's almost like, I don't, it sounds sort of weird, but it's like owning a, part of that it's like they okay. they know it's an extension yeah somewhat right um but yeah i mean i can't really put down any like patrons of the art or, or people producing what they want to produce and mm. and because who's to say <laughs> and also well, you know yeah, if somebody if there's a willing buyer there's a willing you know creator then regardless of the backstory, does it really matter? The, I, I know what you're saying. Like if the work were produced and there weren't any backstory and this wasn't produced by some famous person who had, you know, previously done something that, of note, right? Mm-hmm. Would this patron purchase this work? Well, probably not, but mm-hmm. maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So it depends on the work, I guess, but... Um, I don't question that. But I think that, yeah. yeah. I I question the fact that I think uh, some of these artists are, boy, this is going to sound rough. They're capitalizing on their success through this. Yeah. Well, they they have the right to do, this isn't about someone's right. I just think they're treating this side project, because obviously it's a side project from where they got their fame. Right. And they're putting things out as if they were designing a line of T-shirts sure. to be sold at the concert, right? Now, right, which sort of is sort of like diminishing what I do, I guess, to some degree, if you put it that way. But I also just, you know, I feel as though the person buying my work, a relative no name kind of like I'm not, you know, a huge name. Um, they're buying my work because they, it really resonates for them and, and they want to live with that on their wall and it, it right. does something for them. Right. And so I don't think that patron of mine is going to not, I mean, I don't think that they're going to be swayed by this other, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, well, there's just so many different kinds of patrons too. That's I what guess. I mean. Yeah. You know, like they're just, all kinds of different patrons, all kinds of artists. All, it's, it, the world. Well, it's the one thing you really can't classify as clearly as other aspects of life, whether it's business or other social happenings, sports. You can classify, and we love to do that, right? Label and look at statistics and all that. 
in art, it's really tough. Yeah, it is because it, there's no like centralized anything and there's no like um, standard, I guess. Or, and and Should it's, be. it's be. really the wild, wild west of careers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, okay, so let's talk about, <laughs> it seems like every time you come here, unfortunately, you're involved in litigation. Yeah, but that's over. That's yeah. wonderful to yeah. hear. It's, yeah. it's finally, you're here and it's, all that's been resolved. Yes. Thank goodness. For now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the day's young, right? Right. Uh, okay, so let's get into your recent Zoom session. I, sure. I'm not a big fan of Zoom. I'm just not, but right. it serves its purpose. Right. You're involved in this. Um, is it a? It was done in a class, kind of a class setting with it, your attorney. No, so it's it's called copyright copy wrong, right? And it was um, a inf- informational informational informational. Oh my god! <laughs> I actually got seriously. one right. <laughs> I can't. I need some coffee. Um, <laughs> Could have had that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was put out by the Associated Artists of Pittsburgh to help um, to sort of guide our membership through the process of copywriting their work. And um, I we Barry, who's the mm-hmm. uh, Barry Friedman, who's who's the lawyer on the panel with me, uh, and my copyright attorney, um, we did this this uh, program in person prior to COVID. Right. And okay. so this was sort of a okay. take two. Okay. And uh, it was hopefully to reach more people because you know you can just join and and right. and also it's recorded and so but cool. the purpose of it was is really to educate other artists in um so because i think when this all happened to me uh the copyright issues that i that happened to me over the last 2 years i was just so blown away and i didn't know where to start and it's so intimidating and i had really not known anything about copywriting my work and so I've been fascinated with the process. I'm really, I'm devouring the information. Mm-hmm. It's like super interesting to me. And since I feel as though I have some experience with it now, uh, it was one of those important things that I felt like I wanted to help other artists navigate. Mm-hmm. And um, so so we put together, and I, I should say, I'm, I'm the vo- board vice president of the Associated Artists of Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, I was part of the the concept of putting that together for for other artists so um yeah i thought it went very well it it's it's a fairly dry presentation mm-hmm. <clears throat> because it really is about the the legal aspects of it what what constitutes copyright infringement in art and that's a really interesting question right because it's easier to say what constitutes copyright infringement in music no question um, no doubt about it no doubt. and there are i believe the no standard doubt. is three bars if you can point mm-hmm. to the three mm-hmm. bars then you've got infringement mm-hmm. um it's a little more difficult when you're talking about art unless it's like really obvious yeah yeah, yeah. um but you can still be infringing upon somebody's copyright even when it doesn't totally um, mimic entirely the the original piece like if it's mimicking the style for example and the style was unique to this artist then you are in fact 
committing uh, copyright infringement. And for me, both of those times that mm-hmm. I was experiencing this, it was more that than it was an exact exacting copy. Um, it was pretty copy. obvious, though. It was very obvious. And yeah. the reason it was very obvious is because I have certain styles with my mm-hmm. different series, and it was clearly... Also, one of the important elements of copyright, and I know I've just like exhausted this on probably the last two or th- maybe all of them, um, is that it, it um, access and Mm-mm. and so copyright tends to be rather difficult to prove. Certainly in this day and age, with so much access, right, that, um, you know, in, the, in that way, the internet is both uh, your best friend and your worst enemy. Right. Uh, because anybody can go and see my work on the internet and copy it. And I really don't have anything. I can't do much about it. I mean, I could try. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably would, to be honest. But, um, but I can't, but I'd have to be able to prove access, right? And in the cases, the two cases that I um, decided to pursue, because there have been more people that have right, done more other right. things, but these were the two that were so um, blatant. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in both cases, they had access. So I w- that's a really hard thing to prove. I was able to, that, that was like proven off the bat. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, Seems so intimidating to a young artist to hear that, though, like the process, right? Yeah, but I think educating people makes things less intimidating. You know, that's the same with like viewing art. It's mm-hmm. less intimidating if you know an artist, if you've experienced their studio, if you've, you know, um, just made made any sort of connection with, with your art community. I think it becomes less intimidating. And with things like this, um, contracts and copyright and so forth, it's less intimidating the more experience you have with it. You know, it was still, I'm not that young and it was very intimidating for me when it first, you know, reared its head. And mm-hmm. um, now I'm not phased. You talked a little bit about, uh, was it, for seventy five dollars, they can a young artist, any artist can trademark their work. Is that right? Not trademark. So trademark <clears throat> is a different thing entirely. Okay. So copyright, copyright. is um, okay. Yeah. So there's trademark. There's copyright. There's um, patents. They're all trademarks different. for advertising. It's a slogan or a right. Like I trademarked the um, name the Mine Factory uh, because it was my business. Okay. Um, in the building that I was in. Uh, but so that's different, and that is a is a fairly expensive thing to do right off the mm-hmm. bat. But it and it only lasts for ten years. I'm familiar. Copyright is um, a fifty five dollar application. Okay. That said, if you go through an attorney, it's going to be more, right. but it's going to be way faster and less complicated so they don't it's not complicated in so much as the process of filling out the application isn't complicated but it can get a little dicey if there are questions and especially with art sometimes there are like what makes this piece copyrightable like and there are there are stipulations like you you can't just simply like copyright you know uh, an image of a bridge that's been taken a bazillion times right there there are stipulations to it, the, the originality of the work you know in order for it to be copywritten so i feel very proud of myself because i have copyrights on my work which means that they concluded in their art department there that this was original enough right. to copyright or unique enough correct yeah so um 
So, yeah, so that that was part of the conversation as well. It's just, it's a good question and and thing to to focus on too because what is what does it mean to be unique and what are, you know, um but I think uh yeah, what was the original question? No, here? no, let's talk about that. What does yeah. it mean to be unique? And it, it's it's such a broad I know it's broad, yeah. no, but but that's a, it's good to know. Right. Like what are is there a I don't know, a list of uh directives that they look at to no. qualify that? No, I it's really I guess it's rather subjective and okay. um you know there as I said there is a department within the copyright that does um look at the work itself and determine whether or not it's something that they um deem you know different enough okay. I guess than what's out there to to allow it to be copywritten. Um I think that I know that my lawyer has worked with some artists who didn't get copyright because they have said, you know, this isn't, there's nothing about this work that stands out enough to copyright. So, I, you know, I think most of the time it does go through if, you know, unless you're, unless you're out there copying other people. Right. I mean, really, good, we all have point. different voices, even if they're somewhat similar. My work is going to be different from other a asp um, abstract artists even those that come close. I mean, mm -hmm. you have a different style. You have a different voice. You mm -hmm. ha as, as long as it comes from somewhere inside of you, you're not, you know, when replicating they, things. When they look at your, like, for example, they take one of your paintings that you decided to get copywritten. And d do they look at it strictly as a 2D representation or do they take as part of your uniqueness the texture of the application? No, they the just look at it as a 2D. Huh. I'm you glad just I get asked one that because I wasn't sure. Okay. You get to send one image. Okay. Get yeah. an attorney. <laughs> well, the attorney, you know, I well, I I wound up having an attorney now for this because I, you know, his point is the best um, um, defense is a good offense. Is that right? Offense is good defense. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Whichever Something way like that. around that word. No, just to be on the offensive, I guess, and say, I'm going to copyright this in advance. I'm going to talk about like what, how this is unique. And so, so just sort of be able to have that um, in your arsenal if you're faced with somebody that might be ripping your worker off, you know, to be like able, all right, here's the letter, you know, rather than scrambling and try to. Okay, so you you're know. saying it becomes, a, by having that, hopefully it becomes an instant deterrent when Correct. you see something happen. That's Correct. the first level of approach is right. cease and, it's, it's almost like its own cease and desist. Right. I mean, I mm -hmm. guess for me, in both these cases, it was very personal. Right. And, um, well, it's theft, and not because right? it was personal because I wanted it to be personal, but I think both cases made it very personal. So. But it was theft. And it's theft, absolutely. And if somebody came into your home and and stole, you know, your money from your drawer, would you not pursue it? And especially if you knew who it was. I mean, right. I don't know. Right. It, yeah. So think about if that's happening to you and you were cognizant and were able to pursue it. How many more times all across this country is it happening every day? Oh, that, and that's the other thing too. I think that uh, what I'm trying to do, and and you know, this goes to what I've talked about in the past is that I really try to be an, an advocate for artists, mm -hmm. not necessarily an art advocate. Um, and I, I feel as though 
my speaking up about it and it did get press in Rhode Island the the second thing what happened in Rhode Island and there was there were like three or four articles written in 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 widely distributed um uh forms of media and it was it's like if I can point it out perhaps it won't happen to another artist down the line or at least it will give um somebody some pause mm-hmm about doing that and uh it will also hopefully and i think this is true because i've gotten a lot of nice letters from people and artists and um patrons of the art since these articles came out saying you know thank you for doing that thank you for for putting that in the you know um mind of people that this is a thing that happens Mm -hmm. like you know, that's all. I try to educate as much as I can. I try to be educated as much as I can. I mean, that's that's a never-ending, you know, life goal is to just keep educating mm-hmm. myself when when I can be, and then and passing that on, so that it's uh, it's just, you know, I think it makes everybody feel less alone when we can. Yeah, especially now right. in light of the pandemic. Before we leave that subject, is part of the importance of what you're doing there also protecting. Um, certainly the value of the work, but protecting the investment that the patron made. Yeah, always. Yeah, I always say that that's another thing. Like, I, I would have been, in my opinion, if I had not pursued these particular cases, I would be um, not holding up my end of the bargain to my patron, mm-hmm. right? And part of that bargain, if you will, is that I care about my work. It's unique to me and what, I, you know, my... My style is something I've developed and you're you're purchasing part of that. Right. So like if I allow and that's a strong word, but if 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 let's just use it, if I allow other people to to copy it and put it out and diminish what I've done, then I'm diminishing the value and that relationship with the patron. Right. So I think I I feel as though it's a very important um, part of considering whether or not you want to pursue action. Okay. You mentioned Newport, so there's some happenings in Newport, mm-hmm. and I'd like you to, to reveal them here. <coughs> well, I sort of wanted to <clears throat> turn things around a little bit for me there because the uh, the second copyright issue was in Newport with a gallerist there, and it was, uh, you know, I don't like being in these situations. It's not something that I enjoy. I don't like, I mean, like, I really don't like uh trials and lawyers and any of that um but you know again i had to protect myself and others from this particular person and um but that was sort of like left a bad taste in my mouth somewhat from last year and so this year i i went into i go every year to rhode island with my children um i'm from there Mm -hmm. and uh i do have a studio there but this time around, I was fortunate to have a much bigger studio, and I sort of just kind of—I I don't want to say bullied my way into it because I didn't do that, but like I sort of—I ta- <laughs> talked my way into it. <laughs> I should say that that's you need more to know accurate. her. And this will all make more sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but because of the particular situation we all find ourselves in with COVID, uh, there's so many things that have. Um, come to a halt or, or mm-hmm. need to be reimagined. I think what what pivoted, I think, is a big word people use. I'm going to pivot this way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so I was I was 
getting geared up to go for my annual visit to to Rhode Island and um I got an email from a a a gentleman that I grew up with um I actually played little league with him all right and um he sent me a message and he said listen I am uh in his name's Todd I am uh the manager of this building that is a nonprofit uh, the idea behind it is that it's a tech incubator um, and it's co-working space with some some permanent like flagship um, right. businesses that are blue tech. That's a thing in Rhode that? Island. That's water based. Oh, OK. Yeah. okay. Um, so marine biologists type things. And um, he said it's a beautiful facility. Basically, what they did is they took uh, an old schoolhouse that I'm familiar with. I didn't go to this school, but most a lot of my friends went to the school. It's called the Sheffield School. And he said we they took the Sheffield School and they just did this amazing, beautiful renovation with it. And now it's this um, nonprofit that's supposed to help, you know, the broader community and be accessible to the broader community through membership and okay. they can go and take a desk for so the idea is awesome because it works in a lot of places okay. we have so many you mm-hmm. know examples of it in pittsburgh of mm-hmm. shared workspace and i think too it's going to be a great idea once we get further away from or get out of where we are right now in terms of the um the risk uh, but right now, it's not such a great idea, right? I mean, people don't want right. to rent desks near anybody else. Right. It's like co-working spaces <laughs> right, right, right. Are, must be quasi-vacant at yeah. this point. But yeah. um, so he said, but he was, so he was talking to me, basically his, his qu- question was, how much would it be to acquire a piece of my work for the walls there? And so we went back and forth and um, I sort of didn't really think that much about it because I figured it's a nonprofit. They they want this really big piece. It's probably going to be out of their budget. Um, but he was thinking like maybe fundraise for it and whatever. So that we had an active conversation. And then as it, I was approaching going to Newport, it was getting closer and closer. I thought to myself, "Wow, he's the wheel started spinning." So he's he runs a co working space, and there's not there's probably not a chance many people are in there right now. Mm-hmm. So he might have open space. Mm-hmm. And if he has open space, what I'd like to do is a self-guided residency there because A, uh, it would be a bigger space and I could work there. And B, um, it was going to be such a different summer for me in Newport anyway. Like I wanted to focus on work and okay. things that I could do there. Okay, So... I contacted him and I said, do you have a space that I could use? And he said, actually, we do. And I said, great, I'm going to do this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring some work from Pittsburgh that I've already completed, but I'm going to do some work in the physical space as much as I can in a month because, you know, clearly as an oil painter, that's not a whole lot. But I brought a lot of other work from Pittsburgh, some of it quasi-finished, most of it finished. And I finished the ones that that needed to be finished. And I did create some new pieces. And at the end of the month, I hung everything up as like um, an exhibition. Okay. And so I'm actually going to go back in November to pick everything up. But also we're going to plan some open houses in conjunction with this other thing that I started when I was there, mm-hmm. which I'll get into yes. now. Yes, yes. So while I was there... Um, 
I realized that, and this, I was correct, that this building was actually, like, there may have been four or five people in the entire building the entire time I was there. Um, And even with all the COVID safety regulations, people just didn't wow. feel comfortable coming yeah, into a co-working space. So, <clears throat> but while I was there, I really decided to delve into um, the art scene which I've done, you know, to some degree, but not to the degree I did this summer. And the Newport art, scene. the Newport art scene. And I had like several curators come by. I had just patrons of the art come by, and um, um, I actually had uh, spoke with a lot of different people in public office there uh, because this was a, a nonprofit building. There would be an occasional person from the city council or. Um, Chamber of Commerce and I I got in the ear of these people and then what I was what I figured out was that the need for artists in Newport was space. Okay. And I was being afforded the luxury of having this space for a month um and it was awesome and even just having the space in this in this building that was fairly public was allowing me to um to expose my work to so many people like i probably brought like 50 people in over the course of the month but like you know in individual little groups and um they were just like so excited about the idea of merging and having art in a space like this with the tech because the the name of the 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 nonprofit is um innovate newport okay and so I I was stressing that artists are innovators as well. And so it became important to me to advocate for that, to advocate for space for artists, not just in this building, but then it became broader and I recognized that it would be it would be such an asset to a Quidnic Island, which is the island that Newport is on, uh, to have spaces allocated at a reasonable amount per month for artists Mm -hmm. and to really start to highlight that. Um, And so that became my mission. And I was very fortunate enough to be introduced to a woman, uh, Tracy Johnson, who uh, whose mission really paired with that. She started a nonprofit about five years ago and her, one of her main goals, and she's, she's fundraising for it now is to establish live workspaces, affordable live workspaces for artists on Aquidneck Island. And um, I think that that is a really amazing directive. I think that's a really big undertaking as well. And so we sort of had some talks about it. And and I thought, well, you know, obviously keep that pushing that. But maybe in the interim, we can have uh, we can work on getting just mm-hmm. studio spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and I know we talked about this prior to going on on. Um, Mike, but uh, I know a lot of people consider like pr- people are probably like it's Newport. Why? Why are you trying to like fundraise or do anything for people in this shishi sort of you know um, tourist town? And the reality is that uh, in, with as in any, any tourist location, there are people that live there year round. They are very normal. I am from one of those families. Um, and uh, there 
concerns are the same as everybody else mm-hmm. that that are go- you know going through this time period and everything and and it's been a really actually harder for a lot of residents there that are year-long residents because of the influx of um people coming from cities who are avoiding covid and finding these little towns and and buying up the the property and making it really inaccessible and unaffordable for people that have been there for you know my family's been there for 47 years for families like my brothers or whatever to actually even purchase a home there right uh so um so never mind having art space right and so the the arts community is sort of getting pushed further and further into the dark Mm -hmm. and that always is sort of funny to me because I, I it, it's funny how when organizations and people need artists, they have no problem coming to us. I must get solicited at least 30 times a year for donations to XYZ, right? And they honestly, people just think you want to just give your work away for free all the time. Mm-hmm. And there are certain organizations that I've been working with for many, many years, mm-hmm. the same pretty consistent same ones right. and I give to those charities. Right. And I have to say no an awful lot. And but yet when we come as artists to the broader community and say, "Hey, you know, let's support our artists." There's a there's like you know, it's it's almost a hard sell, you know. Why do you think now, that is? Because I think that people like to have this fairy tale notion that artists don't actually deal with money (laughs) like like you're just supposed to love what you're doing and there should be no like you know financial Mm -hmm. attachment to that Mm -hmm. and it's just silly i mean i i think it's just it is silly yeah it's silly but um anyway i do and now i'm saying that that it's it's a harder sell it is but once you get your message out properly quite an easy sell because quite frankly when you have a visible viable and Mm -hmm. vibrant art community Mm -hmm. it up it helps the entire community there's no doubt about it anywhere you go where you have like um artists settle into buildings even if it's organically if it's non-organic either way when you have buildings that start to be dedicated towards the arts and to makers and by makers i mean like small batch manufacturing mm-hmm. maybe ceramicists maybe like my brother who's a glass blower anytime you start putting together buildings like this with artists it becomes like a destination for people it's exciting it's always active um and it it it's something that I think is, um, historically speaking, it never fails, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so, interestingly, again, going back to Newport, and only because I'm, I'm from there, so I know so much about it, sure. you know, that the, the economy is driven by tourism in the summer, right? And it's, and it's primarily, like, service-based, Right, all oh, the yeah. restaurants, Absolutely. all the all the um, boat it's jazz tours, jazz festival, man, jazz festival <laughs> and folk festival both canceled this year. Yeah. Like all yeah. of this, all these revenue streams, they're very much yep. driven by, you know, um, things like that, and mm-hmm. but also, um, but the restaurant and and service industries, right. and I think this, you know, I, this is such a widely used word right now that it's unprecedented times, but it is. like. Um, I think for the first time, Newport was sort of like, oh, crap, you know, 
we don't have anything really that's standing out that's aside from, I mean, the sailing, obviously, but even with sailing, like right. there were things that you can't do, right? right? So so what I try to stress is when you when you nourish and, and support your artist community, that's a year-long economy you're talking about. It's, it's not specific to tourism. It's not specific to a, um, a, a season. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of, you know, re- centralize that and create this energy you will create a buzz and people that will be constantly be flooded with people that want to view and be part of that Mm -hmm. um and so artists bring a lot to communities i mean not just that obviously that in so many other ways they're the creative forces when Mm -hmm. when um when things slow down and you need to pivot you know you go to creative minds and they sort of like show you the way um but yeah, so so my goal, I guess, is to eventually see that happen. And so I spoke with the city manager and I spoke with other people that might have interest in in seeing that down right. the route. And I got yeah. I've got such good feedback. And so I decided what I needed to do was show them that I could fundraise enough money to at least subsidize some space right now for artists and so within two weeks i raised about five thousand dollars to subsidize studio space right now it's just for two artists but the more money i bring in for it the more artists we can uh, serve Mm -hmm. and the money goes directly to um to subsidizing the space um i don't even it goes through this this nonprofit uh tracy whom i was working with uh it's called newport art house and uh, it goes through them, and it goes directly to rent. And it was immediate that we got uh, a space in Innovate Newport, and immediate that we got two artists in there mm-hmm. through applications. So they they applied, and um, they're already in the space. So it's really exciting to see that because I'm always excited to get things moving quickly. And yes. <laughs> I, you know, from the from the uh, the the birth of the idea, if you will, mid August to now, we're like mid October. Right. It's already been, it's already happened, yeah, it's right? Fast. And so I think once we get the um, people engaged in that and viewing that and seeing how these two artists, just these two artists, will activate this space, mm-hmm. right? Um, seeing getting that interaction with the broader community i think will start to help people to demystify the whole thing of what artists can do to it and and start to maybe refocus some energy on on getting that done for artists on, on aquatic island and getting that space for them so you know whether or not that is the case i, I mean i'm not gonna stop trying right <laughs> right the thing about making the art accessible too uh, just from from, I think I think that by trying to make Newport more of an art community or try to accentuate that art community, especially in tougher times, it's, tr- it's supporting the artist yeah. community. Yeah, yeah, but also especially now, right, in a time where the, a lot of the society is shut down, a lot of businesses shut down, and artists are are always like they nobody. I think we talked about this in the last one, right? Yep. That uh, we did a survey here mm-hmm. with the um, mm-hmm. with the associated artists, and sixty five percent of our artist members said they experienced total loss or significant loss of income. It's incredible. Sixty five percent. 
Mm. Yeah. And nobody really thinks about it because we do tend to work in solitude and we do tend to work with the ups and downs of the economy and so forth. And so it's not. But um, but I think when you bring artists together and create um, um, awareness Mm -hmm. of their existence, even like and certainly having a central location or having some more visibility helps the broader community understand the plight of that sector of their um, populace, you know, and it, and mm. it's an important sector to remember because it does really, the artist community is very significant to the health and well-being of the, the broader community, in my opinion, and in, in, I think, historically speaking. When you look at Pittsburgh as a whole, how do you think we have fared as a city? Just take the last 20 years or so in terms of our our community. Well, I didn't really um, delve into the art community until like 2008. And that's when I sort of really became participatory. Okay. I think that back in 2008, um, I think also Pittsburgh in general was um, an aging community. Um, not that that says that the art wasn't good. Certainly most of the best artists are are ones that have, you know, history behind them. Uh, but it meant that there there wasn't really a great contemporary art scene. There weren't weren't new ideas, if you will. Very good art, but maybe not new ideas. Maybe that's the way I should put it. And so there wasn't the vibrancy that exists today in the art scene. And I think you could probably say that about many of the sectors in Pittsburgh over the last 20 years. I mean, look at the culinary Mm -hmm. explosion that we've had here. And and I do believe that those sort of go hand in hand. Uh, For me, you know, chefs are artists they're Mm -hmm. just amazing and i have so many friends that are are fantastic amazing chefs Mm -hmm. and so i see a lot of crossover there and uh, you know i'm not as familiar with the music scene so i couldn't really Mm -hmm. speak to that but certainly think about our tech industries and the boom we've seen in that over the past 20 years with you know uber and google Mm -hmm. and all these things coming and having um facebook and coming and having these um offices here and that really brought in an influx of a younger population Mm -hmm. and so the demographic in general over the last 20 years has really um, changed dramatically right the now it's no longer an aging population i don't know what the median age age is uh currently but i know that it is um it it's dropped significantly although just the amount of creatives in the past 15 just to take 15 years right you know go back to 2005 to now just the amount of creatives in this town, and that word "creative" gets bounced around a lot in the in the uh, social media era as mm-hmm. well. Too, there's a little bit of a difference there. I think the lines get a little blurred. A traditional creative to me is someone in the arts, yeah. But that gets bounced around now with video and content and all this stuff. Sure, that sure, just right, flies right, 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 right. Over my head, but yeah, it, it's we. We're not a cosmopolitan city by a long stretch, but we're heading in a trend toward cosmopolitan lifestyle, I think, as a city, as opposed to how we weren't for pretty stodgy for a long time. Don't you think? Yeah, I still think there's like this sort of grit about Pittsburgh that's appealing and Mm -hmm. and real. You know, I I think that 
you know, I've lived in not that many places. <laughs> um, you know, I lived in D.C. for a while, and I it, it, there isn't it, this is just a very different vibe here. You know, mm-hmm. the, yes, it's a city, but it's also kind of like a small town, and I think that's why I transitioned pretty well from having grown up in Newport, Newport yeah. to I being bet. here. Um, I believe the the relationships that I've I've been able to make and foster are very genuine and similar to not that I'm saying you can't have that in cities but I just think it's wait it's it's clearly easy here you know people are very open to helping one another um I think that might be a difference between like some of these uh, bigger cities um certainly in the art community I feel as though uh, there is just so much respect for one another's work and um, a genuine happiness to mm-hmm. see others succeed. And it's it's really just it's a in that sense, I, I feel as though it's similar to having grown up in a small community. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, Pittsburgh still has that small town feel. It really does. And, and it has that a little bit of that grit. Like I'm I don't mm-hmm. know how to no, no, better it. describe it. Well, I think it's just, I think it's in it's in the DNA. Yeah. Go back to you know before you and I were born and, and generations prior to us. This was just this was and still to a little degree is still a steel town. Yeah. Regardless of the sports teams, I mean that name, steel, steel town, you a U.S. steel, and all the foundries and just I remember you know as a kid just this was this was a mill town. You know, yeah. that's what it was. And, yeah. and to some, I think I think that's in our DNA. I don't think that's going to ever change. I yeah. don't think so. I don't think so either. Well, as it, it will it will eventually change, to be honest with you, because eventually the, even the memory of that will by have faded. By generations, by right. generations. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, for now, that's where we are. And I think that history is, is um, very present in- Is it uh, present in the art? When you look at the art sure. as a whole- yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of artists that kind of focus on that history. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely present. I think, I think honestly, in the fabric of everybody's um, artistic pursuit, ex- there exists their history, personal and maybe that of their, you know, parents and grandparents and of the place that they lived. So mm-hmm. I think whether or not that's very, um, that that's, uh, articulated visually in a very obvious way or not, it's there. Like I always say, I mean, for me, my art is still very tied to Newport and it's tied to my experiences as a child, also in um, Grenada and um, colors there, right? The color yeah. and yeah. and for for Newport that shared the and and he's, he's obviously Grenada is an island as well. So like the ocean has influenced my work so dramatically. And while that might not be apparent when you look at it, for me it's it's there and it's part of um it's an important part of how I uh create. Hmm. And why I create, I suppose. Where are we going with this pandemic here? Do you, do you feel things getting better? I mean, in, in terms of the no. art community, you don't you don't see any oh. kind of positivity at all. Well, all right. I I, I mean, if you're asking about other artists, like I, I don't know. I think that everything is uncertain. But as I <clears throat> mentioned before, um, those of us working in in the art field and creative fields, probably in general, um, 
often and always deal with the ups and downs of economies mm-hmm. of situations and so it's always a roller coaster ride it's it's like uh you know entrepreneurship in entrepreneurship general. in yeah. general is a mm-hmm. roller coaster ride so i think that um you know we're maybe more equipped at pivoting <laughs> Probably, good word. Just to use the buzzword, um, you know, and to just re-envision other ways to to survive, really, right? Um, So I don't, I mean, obviously, I have no idea what tomorrow will bring. I try not to focus on it because Mm -hmm. it doesn't help me. And I really have always been somebody that's tried to focus on what can I do today, you know, and... um, I'm doing, you know, commissions still. Mm-hmm. I'm selling work. I, I do find that there are a lot of people that have found themselves uh, it, interacting more and more with their home than they ever thought they would in mm. their whole life. Yes. And so as they do that, they are looking at walls. They are looking at, and, and you can see this in any numbers, like the home improvement stores and, right. you know, decor and everything has gone through the roof. Um and so there are some people that are like, you know, those, that's a big consideration. They're thinking about that. And I think that that's very helpful to the artistic community. Um, I hope that, you know, um, when they are thinking about that sort of thing, they engage in their local or any artists rather than, you know, um, just putting up whatever. Like, right. I, I think it's really, especially if you're going to be in your home more and more, and I do believe that's going to happen. I think a lot of people are going to be working remotely that weren't previously. Yeah, that may because never come back. I, I think to some degree it won't. And I and that's why I think when I said, mentioned in, Innovate Newport before being a great idea, I do believe as we, you know, come out of this, places that are offer, you know, membership to have shared workspace are going to be invaluable because mm-hmm. then you don't have to have the brick and mortar of the Got of it. the office building and you can have Got you know it. work from home but also do you know things like this even a podcast right, right, right from right. a shared workspace no question yeah i think you're gonna see that i think you're gonna see that um i'm gonna put you on a spot before i let you go here okay i promise you not, <laughs> not, not, not too painful okay um I want to tell you personally, thank you, but I also want to tell you that you really do well in this medium. Have you ever thought about the idea on top of everything else you got going on? Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast or your own type of, I don't know, uh, whether it's a video or whether it's it's an, uh, an art show or something in this new medium? Have you thought about that? I have. I have something that is, um, you know, brewing. Okay. I wasn't <laughs> crying. I'm no, just I know. We've never gonna, talked about it. So, yeah, uh, no, I have something. I have ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't think I would be a particularly great host in this sort of format mm-hmm. because I'm I'm great if you if you ask me a question, I can obviously speak for hours. Clearly, I've made that <laughs> apparent. But um, but yeah, I yeah, no, it's it. I I've thought about a lot of things. I try to I try to. Again, think about today, what can I do today and what will keep pushing me forward mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. can I keep maintaining and and creating and being the artist that I want to be and I have to do that on my terms. And so I, that means then that requires a lot of thinking about what's next, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
um, or the potential for what's next. And that's sort of, I guess, contradicting myself when I say I think about today. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's a pandemic. You know, we can be passing yeah. on that. Okay. <laughs> the reason, the, the crux of, of the reason I bring that up is that I go back to that first experience I had walking through your gallery. Yes. And I mean, uh, you know, it, it was it was something. I, I left different that day. Left a different oh. person, and because I I had never immersed myself in in first off abstract art, but number two in an environment that I wasn't rushed or forced to keep walking. I was there for the experience, and it was big scale. It was very, and I realized right away how that um, it's visual. It lends itself to like this medium i know it sounds mm-hmm. crazy because we're in a podcast medium, but we right. do a video show here right 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 so i do understand the power of that because the we visual. see yes because we i didn't want to do an audio only so that right. visual is so important but that is taking things even further and i see opportunity there to incorporate yeah. presentation and content content right with all that work right in a really kind of avant-garde but kind of like um constructively done way Mm -hmm. does that make any sense yeah sure i mean there's i think there's infinite amount of ideas that and potential um out there and sometimes it's about being in the right place at the right time sometimes it's about the climate being exactly what it needs to be for this to succeed or that to succeed Mm -hmm. so there's always a lot of factors um and, Everybody's home now. And there's a lot of, right. <laughs> and, you know, but here's here's what I've always believed. There's no, I would only be failing if I didn't try. Mm-hmm. And so Amen. I have seen so much failure in my life. Right. And um, I have hopefully learned from it all. Right. And so I, you know, I just kind of, in in every facet of my life personal uh and um you know in my work and in everything i just throw myself out there and Mm. i put all my cards on the table and you know um i've lost more hands than i've won but i'm playing you know and i think that that as long as i keep doing that then the success is mine. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. viewed that way by anyone else. It's not a numbers game, though. You can, as long as you have a couple amazing hands, you can lose a whole bunch more and be okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can lose everything and be okay, right? What is success yes, except for what how you define it for yourself? Yeah. And I think for me, I define it as being as authentic and um, real. Yeah, same same word mm. as authentic as possible and just keep putting myself out there and not being worried about uh what other people might think about that thank you my friend thank you this was great as usual good. Good. until the next time all right all sounds right. good thanks Mia. thanks we're out friends <laughs>